Blog Talk Radio. morning. We are live on Thursday, May 23rd, 2013. You're listening to The Mind Whisperer. My name is Michael Gordon. Welcome to the program for today. If you're tuning in for the first time, you're listening to The Mind Whisperer program on Blog Talk Radio, a show about spiritual psychology for daily life. And on today's program, we are looking at phobias. What are phobias? And how can we uh, resolve, understand and resolve uh, phobias in our lives? Um, I want to welcome to the show today. If you're listening into the podcast version on iTunes, or perhaps you're listening to the archives here on Blog Talk Radio, we appreciate you uh, listening in. All of our shows are archived for your listening perusal and pleasure. <laughs> um, we have a wide range of subjects here on the program, and um, you can call in at any time if you are listening in live at 347-945-7891. That's 347-945-7891, and we also have an online chat forum. And we also have a Facebook page, which is forward slash The Mind Whisperer, and you'll find the links to our Facebook page, our Twitter account, everything uh, here on on the host page on Blog Talk Radio. Um, we are steadily gaining popularity on the show and very excited about that. And just want to mention that um, you know we're always looking for guests and uh, guest interviews and um, your participation in the show and would love to bring the show on the road and podcast from your city and perhaps we can do a, a forum or a discussion or a, a public talk on any of the subjects that uh, that are presented on the show here or even a workshop or seminar. So straight to the topic today, Phobias. I think in some way, we all experience minor phobias in our lives, no matter how together we are in in, in many other ways and uh, calm and capable. Phobias are something that really represent anxiety and fear. Now, in the description to today's show... I brought up the uh, 1970s hit by Jim Stafford. I don't like spiders and snakes, but that ain't what it takes to love you. Uh, it was a big hit for Jim Stafford back then. Um, and interestingly enough, recent uh, research is showing that um, phobias of spiders and snakes, in fact, um, may be genetically, or I should say, um, may be wired into our DNA. In fact, that they're sort of a hereditary leftover in an evolutionary sense, because spiders and snakes represent a primal fear as as a um, a threat. Um, those particular species, um, they're so prevalent in our collective consciousness, uh, as Carl Jung would said, and um, also in across 
different cultures and uh, mythology um, and iconography. You know, you can see spiders and snakes in particular have very potent um, um, force in, in our psyche. And that may be wired in, as I said, more in, on a more primal level of fear and protection. But what's going on when we're afraid of things that aren't really a, I won't say predator, but a, a, a reptilian or arachnophobia kind of fear? of of um a potential death or something that can harm us what if it's something more contemporary more modern more technological more um irrational in that sense and this is really what the definition of phobia is it's something that might have had previously not had any impact on us and all of a sudden um we have this great fear response to it and we and have phobias are often about the anticipation of something happening rather than what happens in the moment so take something like fear of a bridge, uh, fear of flying is a very common one, uh, fear of needles. And, you know, what you'll find is, you know, for example, with somebody who's about to get on an airplane and has, you know, horrible fear of, of flying, is you can talk to them all about the safety statistics and you can tell them that the pilots are, you know, doing all their safety checks and nobody wants to die on the plane and everyone's got a vested interest in having a safe flight, Um and there's a lot of protocols in place and maintenance and it's a much safer mode of travel than any other travel, etc. And because it's an irrational, fear-based response, none of those rational responses or factual-based uh, you know, um, discussions will help a person in that moment because they are so overcome with fear. And it's, it's what we call flooding. You're, you're flooded with you know, neurochemicals and hormones, adrenaline, etc., that it's it's really kicking your system into that fight or flight response. But what is actually happening? Why are we associating that experience with such a primal fear? And um, why is even the anticipation of that event or that stimulus um, cause such um, such an over-response in our system? Well, this is the interesting thing. So if you look at something like fear of flying, you know, nobody's born afraid of an airplane because you may not have been, even been introduced to an airplane. So what happens is in the initial phobic experience, a person may suddenly become uh, anxious or fearful. There's something about the feeling of getting on a plane. Um, something happens in that particular moment. There's something going on in your life where you're a little more what we call hyper-aroused than you might have otherwise been. But what happens is kind of this Trojan horse-like effect. So suddenly you have this anticipatory anxiety. Um, you're, you're stressed out. You um, don't like flying, which a lot of people don't. It's not, a, it's not a natural thing. You know, flying has only been around for, you know, uh, essentially commercial airline flight has only been around for, oh, what, like 80 years, 75, 80 years at best. Um and that's not even modern jet flight. So, you know, there, there's nothing um, necessarily phobic about not being comfortable with flying. It is a technological feat, and you are suspending your disbelief of, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> and all the principles of, you know, flight to make it work, even as safe as it is. But, you know, the the, the overwhelm, and phobic-like response is something altogether different. So what happens is in the, in the presence of that mild anxiety or fear, 
something else occurs or something about the experience in that moment which triggers an underlying dormant uh, state of fear or anxiety in your system that's associated with the, with that fearfulness in the moment. And because your system suddenly feels an intrinsic heightened sense of fear in the presence of that flight or thinking about getting on the flight or the turbulence on the flight, whatever it is, so it could be one bad flight, one bad turbulence experience, um, then uh, it, it does its job, so to speak, by uh, trying to manage that threat. So in other words, you have this innocuous appearance of an experience like the Trojan horse, okay? It's a gift from the people of Troy. And uh, But what's going on is inside, it's, it was, you know, this, this legend of the Trojan horse is that it was a Turk and the horse was actually full of uh, soldiers coming to um, overtake and destroy. So what is the Trojan horse and the phobia is, it's, again, this underlying uh, unresolved experience that you're not conscious of. So in that moment, all of a sudden fear escalates on itself and your, your uh, limbic system, which is the fight or flight sort of response center of your brain and your nervous system, associates that quickly escalating sense of fear with the stimulus in front of you, which is I'm getting on this flight or there's turbulence on this flight and I'm feeling this really suddenly heightened sense of uh, danger and therefore this is a dangerous occurrence. This is a dangerous thing. And what we'll find invariably is that when you explore what happens in that moment of the escalation of fear and anxiety, that you can trace it back to some other unresolved experience. There's something about the quality of that experience that's associated with something that happened previously. So, for example, it could be the feeling of being powerless or out of control or um, danger. And um, without that previous experience uh, being resolved, in fact, anything could um, really trigger uh, that kind of a response in the present. But, you know, some people habituate to a particular stimulus like a plane or a bridge or whatever. There's something about the vertigo-like experience of being up on heights or um, whatever it is. So fear can be a very complex and very disabling um, thing, and our system is designed to deal with this, the, the presence of fear to, to assess whether it's actually something that's a threat. The problem is, is that the, the brain doesn't distinguish between what it believes to be happening and what may actually be happening. So to the brain and our nervous system, and we're not really talking about our higher consciousness, we're talking about our animal-like uh, control, you know, fight or flight control center in the limbic region of the brain. It's assessing things in a very immediate level of threat and, and emotional memory. So the areas in the brain uh, that, of that region, the amygdala and the hippocampus, which deal with emotional regulation and and, uh, and assessment and the recording of memory, the imprinting of memory, um, are going to very quickly assess things on that level. The problem is if they're already activated to a security danger response, then they're going to assess them in a very limited way. In other words, I know this feeling, I remember this feeling, this is a very dangerous feeling. And it may not actually be related to what's happening in the present. In fact, you can be triggered into an emotional memory or a, um, you know, an associative memory of something that happened that was overwhelming to you, perhaps when you were a child, and your brain can decide it's 
just as threatening in the moment, even though nothing may be happening. Now, the only, only reason this doesn't happen all the time is because we, if we're not completely overwhelmed, then we have uh, a rational um, higher executive function in the neocortex, which is the prefrontal part of your, of your brain, and the, for, the forebrain that's higher evolved in primates and particularly in human beings. And that's the part that says, calm down, it's, uh, it's just a movie. So if you're watching a movie, you've got to remind yourself it's make-believe, and you're, again, suspending disbelief. In other words, you know it's just a movie, but you kind of want to pretend it's not. It's, it's actually real so that you can be thrilled and scared and et cetera. The problem is when that happens in an involuntary way, it's not so pleasant. In other words, if the movie is playing out in front of us and we are so worked up by it that we forget we're, we're responding to a memory or something that actually isn't too threatening, then we um, experience it as totally life-threatening. So there we are staying on the plane, or, or the plane is taxiing, and the engines are roaring, and all of a sudden we are absolutely in the movie that we're going to die. And so you can calm yourself as much as you can, and you can sedate yourself in that moment. But nothing is going to override our intrinsic uh, design and that uh, security response system of the brain and the psyche. It's very complex and very um, uh, interactive, um, and it, it wires in on every level of our physiology and our consciousness. So the key here really is to... Um, isolate the experience, the, 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 the actual kind of reaction it's bringing up, and then to delve into where that originates and to uh, resolve that. Now, I practice something called EMDR therapy, which was designed specifically to deal with trauma and uh, to resolve, you know, to, to relieve this, our, our nervous system and our psyche from any residual traumatic uh, event or memory. Um, hypnosis is another thing that works. Um, those two are probably of the strongest um, in, in, for, in this regard in terms of getting at things on a deeper level of, of the psyche and consciousness. And what I found in my EMDR practice, is, which is consistent for anyone else doing EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It's a way of stimulating the deeper processing in the brain through eye movement, which we experience in REM sleep, rapid eye movement. Um, is that once those experiences are neutralized and you come back to the present, you can slowly reintroduce, you know, the graduated levels of, of threat. For example, think about being on the airplane now. Now I want you to drive near the airport. Now I want you to go, you know, uh, play a flight simulator game or whatever it is. You gradually reintroduce it and your system is now attenuated and um, doesn't have that immediate overwhelm response. And this is what's called um, exposure therapy, which is very, you know, uh, uh, significant uh, approach, and and uh, you know works quite well um, through cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever, where you gradually take the person and, and retrain the mind and body that they can it can be calm, that nothing has actually happened. It's just fear, fear of fear. That's what a phobia is: is it's managing the fear of the fear. Well, there we go. There's a breakdown of what phobias are, and um, there's all kinds of interesting things there about why they come up, about um, needing to be in control, or there's other things going on in our lives that we don't feel in control of, and it can sort of pinpoint itself into an irrational response. 
uh, to a stimulation. Now, we never want to tune ourselves completely out of having um, awareness and assessing threat. I mean, that's part of um, survival, and it's part of, you know, uh, defining what's safe and not safe and true and good for ourselves. Um, but we just want to bring those filters back into a normal and, in fact, maybe a very highly sensitive range so that you reduce fear more and more and more. So if something else that I uh, train in and practice and teach is the art of Aikido. In Aikido, we're learning to deal with um, threat, if you will, a challenge, a problem. And as you go further along into practice, you increase the level that you can um, calmly encounter and neutralize or not react to, including, you know, an attack with weapons. And uh, this has a very powerful effect. So you're a sense overriding um, that reactivity of the mind and the aggression of the subconscious mind um, slowly but surely just take more and more and more. And uh, this is, of course, coupled with um, ex- you know, principles of movement and self-defense that um, give you the confidence that you can work with any problem. Um, and we'll do another program on Aikido maybe and explain that more in detail. Um, but that's not to say that problems don't exist or you don't want to respond to some, someone trying to attack you or kill you. That doesn't mean that you just say blithely say, oh, that's no, that's no problem. It's just dealing with it as calmly and as minimally as possible. So, again, you know, a little bit of anxiety or fear is not necessarily um, a phobia. But if it gets a hold of you and prevents you from doing things that you want to do, then we have a problem. Well, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, it's been my pleasure to host the program again for you today my name is Michael Gordon we've been talking about phobias today here on the Mind Whisperer you can go back and re-listen to this program send a link to a friend help spread the word I hope this has been a benefit to you and uh, you can take this information into your life and maybe just you know reassess some maybe trivial phobias in your life or not so trivial phobias and have a little bit more courage to deal with them and and uh, get the help you need uh, to overcome them. Be well, and we'll see you next time on The Mind Whisperer. You and I jumped right in Took no time for reckoning